is having a, um, a Valentine's dinner and dessert for the ladies at 4 o'clock this evening. And so you're all invited because, unfortunately, we have to cancel our Havdalah that we were planning on having tonight. And everybody went, oh, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Um, where um, Michelle lives, that the street is still all filled with snow and ice. And Jim had a fall. Where is Michelle? There you are. Jim had a fall. How's he doing this morning? It hurts. Yeah. And they were going to be our hosts, so we're going to reschedule that Havdalah. We're going to let you know. So you're free tonight. Ladies, you can go to the, to the Valentine's dinner tonight. If you want to go to that, let me know right after service so I can call and make a reservation for you. But it is $13 a person. Okay? And you'll be pampered and blessed and... And let me just tell you, if you've never been to a Gateway Mount Zion event, it is like they go full on. They go all out. So it'll be a wonderful time. That's why the decorations are here. So, um, yeah. Amen. Any other announcements? No, there's nothing that has to, it's, it's pressing. Um, Scott, did you get a visitor card? You did? Did you fill it out already? You better. Okay. That's true. First time you've been here, though, right? Well, that's what we do. So, <laughs> well, awesome. Some time. I just want to share a message today. You know, we've been in this this theme on biblical roots. Has it been helpful for for anybody here? I just, you know, show me if you. Okay, if you gotten anything out. Okay, good. Because otherwise, I would say, what am I doing? You know, and I just want to talk about this morning. I want, the gospel in the Old Testament, the gospel in the Tanakh. And so many people who are talking about the, the uh, unhitching ourselves from the Old Testament scriptures, you know, and, and that's a, that seems to be a popular thing to do. We don't need the Old Testament scriptures because all we need is Jesus. And I'm saying, no, you're missing it. You're missing it. So many people believe that the gospel is the New Testament. And yet, what scriptures did the New Testament apostles and writers use? Did they have a New Testament? No, they referred back to the Torah, to the prophets. But so many people believe that the, the New Testament is the gospel. And, and, and in, almost in a way that the, the, it's, the New Testament becomes the grace that releases us from the burden of the Old Testament rules and regulations. What a terrible way to look at it. That grace somehow releases us from obedience. That's not the case at all. It's so false. The commands of God, matter of fact, we say it every week in our Torah service, the commands of God are not burdensome. He wouldn't put something on us and say, you will never be able to do this. It is so heavy for you. It is so hard for you. He wouldn't do that. So we're going to look today at the gospel, the good news. That's what gospel means. And how we see it in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament. And you could even share a salvation message from the Old Testament scriptures. Did you know that? 
Okay, you don't have to bring them to the Romans Road. It, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt. But we're going to be looking at that today, and we're going to see that the gospel is Yeshua's his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension. Is in it's all of that is in the Old Testament. Did you know that, Sandy? All of that is in the Old Testament. You know, you can read scriptures about his birth, and we do that. In Isaiah chapter 7, it says, But the Lord will give you a proof. A virgin is pregnant, and she will have a son, and you will name him Emmanuel. That's not in the New Testament. That's in Isaiah. Also, and I'm going to look at this next week. I'm going to spend a lot of time looking at the, the cross in Isaiah 52 and 53. And, man, I'm getting revelation. Yes, ma'am. It's also in the New Of course. What did I say that wasn't in the New Testament? It, it is. But when I say, you know, I say all kinds of things. I don't remember what I say, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm a pretty black and white guy. But I want us to look for, at a scripture. If you off, you know, and we'll have it up here. But this is like the first verse in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Yeshua HaMashiach. You stop right there. This is the gospel according to Matthew. It's a very Jewish gospel. And it talks about his teachings to the Jewish people. It's directed mainly towards the Jewish people. But what is the first words? It says, the book of the genealogy of Yeshua HaMashiach. Ben David, son of David, son of Abraham. That's an incredible connecting verse. You know who Jonathan Burness is? Anybody? Jewish Voice Ministries. Incredible guy. He was one of those. He's a typical Messianic Jew who um, was involved in the, uh, how would I say this, the uh, medicinal industry, uh, illegal medicinal in industry in his early days, and was quite well known in that field until God got a hold of him. And you know how he got a hold of him? He, somebody challenged him, and he opened up his, his New Testament, and that was the verse right there, and he gave his heart to the Lord almost immediately. This is a Jewish guy being raised in an Orthodox family, but yet turning against that stuff, getting into drugs, and then he sees this. is the book of the genealogy of Yeshua, Hamashiach, Ben David, Ben Avraham. There's no other person in all of the scriptures other than Yeshua that has such a clear genealogical connection, undisputed, back all the way back to Abraham. That's incredible. And it even says later on in Matthew chapter 1, it says there's 14 generations between Abraham and David, 14 generations from, from David to the Babylonian exiles, 14 generations from the exile to the Messiah. And every one of those generations is listed so anybody who doubts Yeshua's messiahship, all they need to do is look at Matthew chapter 1. Yeshua is connected with the patriarchs because God connected, covenanted with the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, Isaac and Jacob, that their offspring, from their offspring would come the Messiah. God covenanted with them. And so here's the connection from Abraham all the way to Yeshua. And there's also 
a prophecy of the gospel going all the way to the nations through this Messiah. We see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, a prophecy about the, the gospel going to the nations. It says in chapter 12, actually at the end of chapter, uh, verse 2 and 3, it says, to make, you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. And in you, and this is the key, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then Paul connects that scripture in Genesis chapter 12, with Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, it says the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the gospel, the good news, to Abraham in advance, saying, all the nations shall be blessed through you. And so that's all in Genesis, in, in Genesis and in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And it also talks about Yeshua being connected to David. A Messiah who reigns on David's throne forever. And you go back into the Tanakh, into 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through 14, and then verse 16. It says, when your days are done, David, and you sleep with your fathers, I will raise up your seed who will come forth from you after you. And I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish his royal throne forever. You see, he's talking about Messiah, Yeshua, but he's also talking about who else? Solomon. Solomon's going to come from David, and he's going to be the actual one who builds the house for God. His royal throne forever. I will be a father, but this is, this is where it gets... Really, I love this prophetic. He says, but I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. And then verse six, 16, it says, so your house and your kingship will be secure forever before you. Your throne will be established forever. That's why we know it's talking about Messiah, Yeshua, and not just Solomon. So you see the connection and why it's so important for us to understand the scriptures in the Tanakh, they foretell. They, they prophesy about the gospel. And it's interesting because in this promise to David that there will be a king that reigns on his throne forever, guess what else is included in this promise to David? Anybody? Take a guess. What's included in the covenantal promises to Abraham and to David? Redemption. But think of the place, Israel itself, the land that is part of that promise. And we see this in 2 Samuel 7, verse 10. It says, I will also set up a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they may dwell in their own place and not be disturbed again. So God, you know, there's, there's so much it's so important for us to understand that because there's a battle going on over the land. There has been and there always will be until he sets up his throne on that, in, that, in that holy city of Jerusalem. And it's really important for us because, you know, President Trump came up with a, a peace plan. It's called the deal of the century, I guess. Well, everything for him is a deal of the century. I love the guy. I love the guy. But, you know, 
The good news is I don't think any man-made peace plan is going to work for that land because it involves dividing, partitioning, separating the land. And the scriptures are clear, do not do this. And the good news is the Palestinians have already outrightly rejected it. They're no way, no way, no how going to accept that. And I think that's part of the genius of Trump. He says things and he does things knowing that the other guy's not going to respond. You know, it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't want to get into any of that. But, but needless to say, the land and the people of God, Israel, are connected. They're all three. God, the people, and the land are connected together. And uh, it's so important for us to keep that in mind. You know, when Israel, now why would they be exiled? Why? Throughout history, and they were exiled from the land. Why were they exiled from the land? Idolatry, disobedience, not keeping the commandment. The, what did you say? Yeah, sin. And so they were exiled. What happened to the land? Went into disrepair. Basically, it just kind of. You ever seen pictures of Israel back in the late 1800s? Before the Jews started coming in there, there's nothing there. There was no trees. There's nothing. And matter of fact, it was just considered a backwater. You know, Doug was here last week, and he was talking about that. And then when the people of Israel come back in there, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's just amazing how, wow, what a coincidence. The land starts blossoming and blooming again. It becomes productive. I don't think there's, it's not a coincidence at all. The land, the people are connected with God's covenant promises. Keep that in mind. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about a scripture. We're going to read it in a few minutes. But um, you remember the story, the, the two disciples who, after Yeshua was, went to the cross and was crucified, they're walking. They're pretty dejected, and they're walking along the road to Emmaus. And uh, how many of you have ever been on a road to Emmaus, your own walk, questioning God, questioning things that are going on around you? I've been on a couple of those roads. I was thinking this morning, I remember this one time. God, there was a major change. We were in YWAM, and we were being called somewhere. But I was really struggling, and, and I was in my 40s going through midlife crisis. I'm through it now. It's okay. It's good. But I remember we were on Highway 24 coming from Colorado Springs, and we were going to be driving all the way across country to Virginia. And we are on Highway 24, and that was my road to Emmaus because then it comes to I-70. And I had two choices, and I remember this, thinking, I can go left, go west, go back to my old life, get a job driving a truck or something like that, or I can go to the right and to the ministry that was waiting there. And I was really struggling with this. Which way do I go? I got a U-Haul truck, towing my car. Do I go left, go to the right? I was on a, I was in a place of decision. You know, there's some crazy things going on. So that was my one of my roads to Emmaus. And maybe some of you have had your own roads to Emmaus, but you know, it, it's kind of like on those roads, you're blinded because of disappointments. We question our circumstances and God's involvement with us, and we don't see how God's purposes can be fulfilled in the midst of balagan. You know the word balagan, anybody? Balagan. Let me teach you a Hebrew word. Actually, it's not a Hebrew word. It's an Aramaic word. But it's balagan. But you hear, if you go to Israel, you will hear that all the time. It just means utter confusion and chaos. 
And so that's why you hear it a lot in Israel, because everywhere you go, everything's balagan. You know, you go to the bus station, you go to the street corner, you go to the falafel stand. It's balagan. Nobody waits in line, stands in line. That's what balagan. But have you ever had your life, your life was balagan, you know? And you're wondering about God, and you're blinded to him because of your disappointments. And then think about these two disciples. They had their hopes. They trusted in what Yeshua was all about. And they're walking with this guy saying, well, don't you understand what just happened? We put our trust in him, and then he was crucified. And, you know, if it was me, if I was Yeshua walking with those two guys, I would have said something like, guys, I get it. But, hey, look, wake up. It's me. It's me. I've risen. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Touch me. Touch, put your hands into my hands. Touch my feet. It's me. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. Let's read in Luke 24, verse 25. He says, Yeshua said to them, Oh, foolish ones. Being called fools. He says, Oh, foolish ones. So slow of heart to put your trust in all that the prophets, all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary for Messiah to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And then it goes on and says, And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. See, that's what he says. He says, you foolish, because the proof of who I am, the proof of my lordship, the proof that I am the Mashiach is in the word of God. It's in the Tanakh. You see, miracles and signs, and you were talking about that today, Michelle. Good word. Miracles and signs. I love miracles and signs. How many, how many of you love miracles? You love It's the instant God things. Miracles and signs. They're great, but the lordship of Yeshua is not based on just miracles and signs. And believe me, and this blew me away when I thought about this, it's not based just on his crucifixion and resurrection alone. We all say, wait, wait a minute, but it is in a lot of ways. But think about that. A lot of people have been crucified, and there was even some people who've been resurrected in the past. But what Yeshua is saying is, don't believe just in what happened three days ago at the cross, but believe the words that the prophets spoke hundreds and hundreds of years ago. They confirm who I am. They confirm who I am. The entirety of his birth, life, crucifixion, burial, resurrection, and ascension, that is the cross, are all prophesied in the whole Tanakh, and they prove his Messiahship. If you're waiting for a miracle to prove that he is who he is, you may wait for a long time. What does the word of God say? And when we start holding on to what that word says... Then we begin to see, see, this is the gospel in the Old Testament. It's written all over the Old Testament. Everything points to Yeshua in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, in the Torah. Everything points forward to Yeshua. And the New Testament writers, they pointed back to the words, to the Torah and the prophets. They pointed back and said, aha, now we know this proves who Yeshua is. When they doubted his Messiahship, when, when Yeshua would be talking to the religious leaders and the people, and they doubted who he was, they were always asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Or should we expect somebody else? He always referred back to the Tanakh, 
We see this in John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40. He says, you search the scriptures because you suppose that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, yet you are unwilling to come to me so that you have life. Powerful, powerful scripture. Let me ask a question. What is eternal life? I'm asking a lot of questions today. I expect answers. A life that never ends. Okay? Um, that's what most people would say. Wrong answer. <laughs> most people think of eternal life as something like this. You're going along in life. You have an encounter with Yeshua. Ooh, you know, things get a little bit better, a little bit rocky, but it's continually. And then when you die, you're with Yeshua in, in heaven or eternity. That's eternal life. But he refers in that scripture, and also in 1 John chapter 5, eternal life is Yeshua. Eternal life is the person of Yeshua. He says, you're looking in the scriptures for eternal life, and they all point to me. That's who eternal, that's what eternal life is all about. So many people in the body of Messiah think eternal life is everlasting life. And sorry to pick on you, Peter, but some people, they look at their life and they go, I don't want to live this life forever. And to be honest with you, even when we're in Messiah, um, there are things that we go through. You know, there is a promise of, you know, the fullness of Messiah in us. And, but the eternal life is living in us in the person of Yeshua. It begins today. It begins now. It begins at salvation. You see, if we don't have confidence in that what Moses wrote is still the word of God, how can we trust in him in our current difficulties or challenges? That's why when, when some pastors, well-known pastors, get up and say, you need to unhitch yourself from Moses. You need to unhitch yourself from those old Jewish doctrines. How dare they? We can't do that, people. We need that. We need that. And they all point to Yeshua. You see, the same God that told Moses to, you're at that Red Sea. You got the Egyptians in back of you. You got a sea in front of you. And God spoke to Moses. We heard this from, from Doug last week. He says, lift up your staff, which is your authority, and stretch out your right hand. And when he did that, he walked in obedience. He spoke the good news, what God had already spoke to them. And guess what? The sea opened up. They were able to walk through on dry land. God is saying to us today, you have authority to speak to those circumstances just as Moses did. That's the good news. That is the good news, the gospel. Moses understood that. Lifted up his staff and his right hand spoke to the thing. Matter of fact, it was almost like God was surprised. I told you what to do. You've got your staff. Lift up your hand. You speak over that water. You do this. I've given you the authority to do that. And God is speaking that today to us. I want to talk about a rabbi who is satisfied that Yeshua was the Messiah based on the Tanakh. And, of course, I'm talking about Shaul, Paul. You see, he had his own Emmaus Road experience. He was on a road to Damascus. You remember that? And on that road, he had this amazing encounter with God. 
Basically, that he could only be justified by faith. You see, he, he, was a, he was a zealot, man. He was going after people because he felt he was doing what God said. He didn't understand walking by faith. And he had that encounter on his road, his Damascus road, that he could only be justified not by what he did, but by his faith, his belief, his, his allegiance, his, his, his yeah, who he, who he believed in. And to the point where he was able, he was so powerful and bold, he declared this before the Roman and Jewish authorities. And we see this in Acts chapter 24, verse 14. He says, but this I proclaim to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything written in the Torah and the prophets. So basically what he was saying to the Roman authorities and to the Jewish authorities is, is, I state who Yeshua is based on what your scriptures, what the scriptures in the Old Testament say about who he is. And we also see in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Paul, a slave of Messiah Yeshua. And I underline that. He calls himself a slave of the Messiah. A bondservant. Called to be an emissary, a shaliach, or sent on a mission. And set apart for the good news of God, it says. Which he announced beforehand through, a, through the prophets and the holy scriptures. And what were these scriptures again? Back in the scriptures, we, back in the, in the Tanakh, in the prophets, we see this. In Romans, Paul quotes the Tanakh so much. He quotes even the fact that his own people would reject the Messiah. Now, this must have come to a surprise, come as a surprise to, to, to Paul himself. But in Romans 10:21, it says, But about Israel, he says, God says, quote, All day long I stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Now, some people would conclude, and some people unfortunately today would conclude, that God is done with the Jewish people because of their rejecting the Messiah. And yet Paul understood with this because in the very next verse, 11.1, and remember when I was talking about Romans, there's no verses and chapters. It's all just a letter. And then very next sentence, he says, I say then, has God not rejected? I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And we see that Shaul, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, he says, For I also pass on to you, first of all, what I also received, that Messiah died for our sins according to the Scriptures. What Scriptures is he referring to? The prophets, the Torah. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day According to the scriptures. What scripture? I'm a broken record. Basically, what Paul is saying is that the gospel was clear in the Tanakh. According to the scriptures, two times. The roots of all of Paul's doctrines are found in the Old Testament. And you know what I was finding as I was preparing for this? I love to speak in tongues. I believe in our tongues, tongues language. People struggle with that. But Paul, he talks about tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. 
But you know that that theology of tongues is not a New Testament thing, but it also goes back to the Tanakh. He refers back to Isaiah 28 when he says this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21. He says, in the prophets, it is written, quote, by those with strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people and not even then they will listen to me says Adonai. Therefore, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. But prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. So Paul talks about a doctrine, the controversial doctrine of tongues, and yet it's referring back to the Tanakh. So I want to end the message, and then worship team, come on up. We're going to have some worship at the end of this. The pattern is clear. Let me get some water. I'm dry. Colorado's dry. Yeah, it gets kind of dry, doesn't it? It's going to snow tonight? Don't tell me that. Man, we had great weather in. We had great weather in January. No snow. Paying for it now, but it's beautiful out now. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm not done preaching. Whoop, I spilled all my water. All right. Slobbered all over myself. But the pattern is clear. I believe, I love revival. I've been in revivals, and I'm looking forward to a last day's revival. I know in the last days there's going to be a great turning away, but there's also going to be a great revival. I really believe that they can be at the same time. But I believe that there's a pattern set for any last day's revival. You know, so many times when we talk about revival, people start focusing on signs and wonders. But my scriptures, my Bible says signs and wonders follow and confirm the word of God that is found in the Tanakh. They preach the word boldly with confidence, by faith, and then things happened. Miracles happened. And so I believe that signs and wonders are the fruit of a revival, but revival begins when the children of God, when the people of God wake up to the scriptures and not just study the scriptures just to know knowledge, but to actually get it into their hearts so that they can speak it out in boldness and confidence. See, I love studying Torah, and I love it. Well, I'm going to be going to a, a conference this week for First Fruits of Zion, and that's their thing is teaching of the Torah, and I love it. But if that's all we're doing and we're not speaking and proclaiming it out, then what good is it? I'm in the prisons. You guys know this. I go to the prisons. Last night, we were reading through the Torah portion for the week. And it's all about God's calling people of Israel to be to, to him and, and them saying, we will. We will serve you. We will love you. And, and we started to, to speak the word. You know, we're, we prayed for one another. And one of the gentlemen, Troy, is kind of an older guy. And he said, man, my knee is just, it's in bad shape. My leg is in bad shape. And, and then one of the other guys, Jose, he's from Peru. His daughter has a brain tumor. And so we began to pray. And I began to pray over, we, we began to pray for one another. And then the, after, the, after the, the, the class and I'm walking, you got to go through all these kind of 
Ever been into a prison? There's like bars and it's real. And so they're walking towards their their um, compound through the through the the gates and things like that. And I'm walking with the guard the other way. And and Troy turns around and says, "You know what? I'm not feeling any pain. Thank you." And walked off and went to his cell. I'm like, see, this is, this is what, and God has given each of us the ability to speak those words over anybody, anybody and everybody, and expect to see things happen. Signs and wonders will follow the word of God when we speak it out. Is our theology of the Old Testament as, quote, high and holy as that of the New Testament writers? You know, we look at the book of Acts and we're in, in amaze. Look at the wonderful things that they did. What was the scriptures that they were proclaiming from the Torah and from the prophets? And they believed it and they had it in their hearts and they were proclaiming that everywhere they went and they saw signs and wonders as a result of their proclaiming the word. A couple of last verses. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Yeshua is being questioned again by the Pharisees and Religious leaders. And he said, but answering, Yeshua said to them, you've gone astray. There was an argument about marriage and, you know, the wife dies and he remarries. Or is it the, the husband dies and she remarries? Who, who, you know what I'm talking about? Whose wife is they going to be? He says, but you, and then Yeshua says, because you've gone astray because you don't understand the scriptures or the power of God. There is power when we proclaim the Tanakh. There is power when we proclaim the Torah, when we proclaim that out. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the good news, Paul says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who trusts, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is power. The gospel is throughout the scriptures. It is in the Tanakh. It is in the New Testament. And there's power when we proclaim it. Not just say words, but actually believe it in our hearts and speak it out. And when we do that, and, and he mentions two people groups, which covers everybody in the world, Jews and Gentiles. Duh. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. Everybody in agreement on that? It's like you're either, either born a male or a female. Isn't that right, Joyce? You're born, born of male or a female. There is no in-between. Okay? I don't know why I have to say that, but in today's world, you have to say these things. But he's saying proclaim this word. Proclaim the word. It's for everybody. To show them the scriptures in the Tanakh that point to the Messiah. That's what we're to do with the Jewish people. We're called to minister to the Jewish people. How do we minister to the Jewish people? Well, you know, unless the Lord leads you, it's probably best to go to the scriptures they're more familiar with. Talk to them through the Torah. Even through the Torah portion of the week. Talk to them through Isaiah. Talk to them through the Psalms, and you will see that the gospel is in there. And go to the Jewish people and share. That's what I did when I was living in Israel. I didn't bring the book of Romans to share with the Jewish people. That Most of them wouldn't even go near the book of Romans. But they would go to their scriptures. And you know what? You know more of their scriptures than they, most of them do. You do. You do. Share with them those scriptures. But also, to go to 
to the church, bring revelation to the Gentiles, leading to their fullness, the Romans 11 fullness, when they understand and have revelation and their eyes are open to their call to make, jealous, make Israel jealous for their Messiah. The gospel always refers back to the Tanakh. The word of God is consistent and reliable. Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture. What scripture is he talking about? Talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Would you stand with me as we prepare to go to worship? Gospel is walking in the power of God. Paul says the gospel is the power of God. I want us to be a congregation that proclaims the word with an expectation that miracles, signs, and healings will follow the proclamation and declaration of the word. I want to pray the word of God would come alive in us. How many of you like to study the word? How many of you just, you just when we study the word and it becomes a part of us, I just want to pray for a boldness to take that word and to speak it out wherever, wherever you go. You know, Carol Urba, she's not here this morning, but she was in the state capitol a couple of days ago. There's some, there are some really, um, what's the word I want to use? <sighs> bills before the state legislature that are very anti-God bills in regards to transgender, in regards to abortion, in regards to the schools, what they're going to be teaching. And she goes there and spends the day there, and she's praying and interceding, and she's speaking things out. As a, and we need more of that boldness in us. So, Father, in the name of Yeshua, I pray, Lord God, as we read the word, we're not reading it just to build up, get puffed up in our, in our brains and to have a lot of intellectual Bible knowledge, but, Lord, to get it into our hearts so that we can proclaim it wherever we go. And, Father, I just pray for that boldness, and I've been praying this for the last several weeks. Lord, a holy, holy boldness, that we are a set-apart people for your purposes, Lord. Lord, that you would fill us with your word, and those words would be to bless others and to encourage others and to bring healing to others. So, Lord, I just commit us for your purposes in this city and into this nation, into the nations. Lord, boldness. Lord, these days are troubling days. Lord, we know that you're getting ready to come back. And Lord, we know that when we step out in boldness and we trust you, Yeshua, to do, you can do impossible things. What was that scripture you had this morning, Russ? Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible for God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, this time, let's go into a time of worship. And uh, this is also the time where we take our tithes and offerings at Or Chaim. And as, as you know, we have baskets up here in the front for your tithes and offerings. And also the box in the back. Be bold. Also be generous in your giving, too. God, he loves generous givers. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God. And 
It's not about looking in our pocketbooks. It's not about looking at what we have and in the bank account and saying, well, this is, this is all the resources I got. You are an incredible, amazing, unlimited resource, Lord God. And Father, we look to you, Lord God. Lord, when we're faithful in the small things, and that's what you said to the people of Israel, if you do these things, you are my children. You are, I will bless you. And they said, we will do these things. And so, Father, I pray that we will be faithful in the things you called us to do. Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Let's give and let's worship him in Yeshua's name. Amen.
When you breathe 
soul remembers. I just want to just invite you during this time of worship just to come on up forward. Let's just worship up here. Feel free to kneel down. Banners. Just lift your hands to the Holy One of Israel. It's just a sweet presence up here. I just want to invite you to come on up here and just enter in. Set my spirit free, my soul remains. 